Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It has been a new month, uh, and we are back for another episode of the Ampliverse Book Club. I am joined once again by my very good friend and literary queen, Allie. Hi, Allie. Hi, friend. Hi. And today we are here to read our book club selection of the month. It is The Other Black Girl by Zakia Dalila Harris. Here it is in all of its glory. I I love this cover. I love Everything this about cover. it. Especially I- <laughs> the glitter. And the texture on the hair yes. pick. And obviously love supporting local uh, local shows like Good Morning <laughs> America. Um, thank you to them for their <laughs> Hey, at least we got out we got out of the Jenna Bush Hager's book club. I know. We finally we moved we to a different book club. <laughs> <laughs> we finally diversified and got out of Jenna's uh, book club. Can I say, before we say anything about this book, I know that we always say at the beginning, like, we're we're going to do spoilers, mm-hmm. but I especially think if you even think that you might read this, read it first. Read it first. Read it first. <laughs> I think out of all of the books that you may have been like, oh, they did another book, blah, 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 blah. Um, maybe I'll listen to it and see if I want to do this book. You have to read this book mm-hmm. first before you even listen to this conversation. Yeah. Um, just because it, the, th- the third act is so good. Honestly. <laughs> it, I, all of a sudden I felt like I was in a different world yeah. and I, and I, and it was, it really truly shook me to the core that I was like, it just best kind of like fully like got me to like exactly like these are the stakes and I was like yep. oh my god it's just so creative okay this is your warning so save this video now mm-hmm. go read the book I mean I read it in like three four days so you can do it too it's a quick <laughs> yeah it's it's not it's not dense it's not dense but it, 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 is but a, it very much movie. is dense I want to take back what I said it yes, is that's but it's also it is but it's also not like you're not going to you're not like reading like war and peace it's not like you know yes. you're reading really like I don't know heavy prose yeah I want to say if you are a fan of like I mean get out is kind of like a really accessible reference to kind mm-hmm. of like tell people like what to relate to uh, like for this book. I think if you really love get out and like love reading, you need to read this book because I think it'll give you that same satisfaction of just playing around with, with that dynamic, that tense kind of like, you know, anyway, I'm just, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Read the book, read it. Okay. Now we're going to talk about it. Allie, what was the first moment that you felt like there was a sense of like, dread and like something is not right something's not oh really right um when she uh when hazel had the manuscript from vera and she went into vera's office and gave nella the like really icy look that was mm-hmm. when i was like uh-oh yeah it was clearly like did it work? Like, it's her basically checking her work. Like, did it mm-hmm. work? Did all of that make her, like, suspicious of me? Mm-hmm. Mine was, like, that one line at the end of the meeting where it, like, felt, where she was, like, trying to say, like, okay, it was great meeting you. And she, Hazel just kept standing there and was, like, 
she even like looked back and like Hazel was still there and was like, okay, girl. And she's like, yeah. okay, if you just, yeah, if everything, anything ever comes up, just let me know or whatever. Oh, sure. And I was like, uh, this, th- that's when I immediately, I mean, obviously like the jacket copy, just how the book is marketed, it, the, the literal title. It's like mm-hmm. something's, something's not right with the new girl at work. Yes. So, but kind of like showing it that way where I was like, oh, here we go. Like it was almost mm-hmm. like a yay. Like we get to see like how it, how it unfurls. But I did not, even though that was the conceit. I did not expect this to turn into like a thriller, basically, that I was like, oh, (laughs) no, like I thought it. I I mean, I knew I couldn't decide when I first started if it had like spoiled anything that I knew in reading about the book. I knew there was something off with Hazel. So like I knew Mm -hmm. that going in just from the article that I had read about, I just knew that going in. And so I was like going back and forth where I was like, does it matter that I know that going in? Is it affecting the way that I'm reading this book? And yeah. I don't think it did because I think what ended up being wrong with Hazel was so shocking and so beyond what I could have conceived that I was like, yeah. oh, I, it, it didn't spoil anything. I'm good. Like it didn't ruin the reading experience at all for me. Yeah, it was like really interesting because it did play around the entire, I would say like the first act of the book of like, you just think it's like race politics, quote unquote, in lack of a better term to call it. Like, it's like this one person is assimilating or like code switching and this one, which let's talk about code switching. That moment (laughs) when she said that, when she did the like, I was so mad. (laughs) I was so mad. Like, she literally is just like truly just toying with you. Uh, yes. She did the like JK. I'm just kidding. Yes. I'm like, no, girl, you're not. Yes, I know. Well, and you're the thing, I know, I know. And I think because you really think that she's going to reveal something, mm-hmm. you like, you're really like, oh my god, this is what when it's going to turn. And then she's like, code switching, girl. And it's like, <gasps> <laughs> which like I, you know, like th- that's what you kind of like just expect what the book is going to be about that. It's like, it's just her being like, I know what I'm doing. I know how to thrive in a white dominated industry and in an Mm -hmm. office and you just need to catch up. And that's what the book is going to be about, which it is. But when you throw in the like sci-fi, not even sci-fi, but just like almost, I guess. Yeah. Like the sci-fi element that like, there's an actual thing that is making black women in the publishing industry more uh what is the word Cut, agreeable uh, to white people agreeable yes like more like white basically yes that i was like oh no then it is fully like and it all in all of a sudden it kind of transported me into like the the author is so creative in playing around with that genre because it's like all of a sudden, I don't know, like you buy into it, it like the stakes are higher. Like it's like, I don't know. It's just so creative that I was like, I'm, I'm never this creative. Like, yeah. this is insane. Well, and I think what, just the fact that the, um, I don't want to say transition, but the, um, the change or whatever that it's manifested through hair products. I was like, this is the most brilliant writing. Like, I don't know how it could get any better. It was just such a phenomenal decision. 
I wish I was there when she like either pitched this or like kind of wrote notes on a napkin at a yes. cafe. Yeah. <laughs> of just thought of like, it on a train. Thought of it on a train. Cause you can tell that um she she must have been like, I want to tackle because it said like this is loosely based on like her experience in the, right. in the publishing world too, world too, of like, I want to tackle like what forces black writers. Or, or just people working in, in like white dominated offices, what pushes them to like basically cave in so that they can, they essentially have to f- be like, I'm giving up my own genuine self so that I could like actually like have a career mm-hmm. um, in what I want to do. And she likes, it's like, but I want to do it in a way where it centralizes what is the one thing about blackness that feels like I am it's like the most like kind of like important cultural like touchstone of like being a black woman. And it is Mm -hmm. hair. Like it is, it is hair. Mm -hmm. Like it is something that no one else other than like a black woman can fully understand like what it means to maintain and like the culture and like the actual work that puts into it. And like by using that as the device to like be like, you have to submit this in order to become like, a, a successful career woman. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. Well, I also think just something that um, is so is so politicized, and mm. so and to kind of be led into this, I think with Hazel, like to be led down this road of, you know, we're we're not trying to like whitewash our hair like we're treating it like it's natural and you know we're not going and relaxing it we're not trying to fit in with like the quote-unquote like acceptable office standards that white people have decided upon you know and and so and yeah so to even just have it be like something that it's like oh it's great for like your natural hair and you Mm know uh, (laughs) it's it's just so, yeah, like I said, it's so creative. It's so smart that you're just like, wow, I wouldn't even think about like delving into that. But I, it really shows, I feel like her passion of like wanting to talk about this in this specific industry. Mm-hmm. And like, I can relate in like a corporate setting. Like I've worked at a big company before. I work for like a, a mid-sized agency now. Like I understand the corporate culture. Um, but it must be so insane when you're in a, in a place like an editing or a publishing field, because you are also judging what goes out in the world. And so there's that added, yes, you're gatekeeping. You have Mm -hmm. that added pressure of like, if I don't speak out, then Chartresha will be a a person that people have to know who is, which is like, I cannot even, I cannot even. So like, the Chartreuse thing was already bad, right? Yes. <laughs> and, like, I think, like, I'm a big movie fan. Like, Adam and I always talk about, like, and we have, like, we've discussed, like, certain mo- characters in movies where it's just, like, oh, no, like, they're tokenizing a character to represent literally everything. And it's, like, they're not thinking about, like, how it's coming off because they go into it with a good intention of, like, look, we're showing multiple viewpoints. But it's, like, but you're yeah. not, you have no authority to talk about that yeah. viewpoint. And talk about like you know how the op- opioid crisis has like affected like black people when you are not black, but and creates like a clearly like stock character to represent it. But when they started talking about the book cover and how Nella, the main character, is like, I am seeing like essentially like a blackface depiction of 
Chartresha on a book cover and everyone is just loving it. Yeah. I, oh, that took me back. Like when I worked at Disney, there were a lot of times where I would like look at work and be like, there is a penis. You accidentally drew a penis (laughs) or like, or like just like in colors. And it's like, this kind of looks offensive because you're, you're picking like, uh, this drawing that you made has, is someone that has like big lips or whatever that mm-hmm. is, and you know, it's supposed to reference that they're like African or whatever. I'm like, this isn't a good look. Like people in, in those fields sometimes just don't think about that because they have never been told like, you can't, you have, you know, you have, the world's your oyster. You can write about anything, blah, 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 blah. It, and it's um, nine times out of 10, it's, you know, like a white male person doing that. Yeah, I thought one of the most striking parts of that was when she she was thinking about, like, am I going to speak up in this meeting about it or not? And she she said that, like, a BuzzFeed article flashed in her mind of, like, where was the sensitivity read on this? And it was just it was one of those things where it's like, absolutely, that's something that would happen. But it's such an interesting thing, too, when you look at it from her point of view, that it's like she's the only one in this office who is there representing this point of view and offering it. And so it's like, it's, it's one of those things where you're like, it's unfair. I I'm not articulating the point the way that I want to, but where you're like, it's unfair for, you know, news outlets to publish like headlines like that when look at like, because you're essentially saying like the onus of, of, racial sensitivity is on the one black girl who's in the office who's and in like, the office. and yeah, how, and you know, and yeah. how are we supposed to expect her to do a sensitivity read on every single book that comes out? Um, yeah. and I just thought, and especially when she's like, what if I lose my job over it? And then, yeah. you know, and then there's no voices in the office. Like, what's that going to do? And I just thought that that, um, it, it really articulated that struggle very well. Yeah, and even in the the whole, like, when she was debating, even before the cover, where it was just, like, this one very stock character that is, you know, poorly representing, um, the whole debate of, like, with herself, like, should I speak out, should I tell the author or not? And when she did, I think she didn't do it, like, she did it the way that I think was appropriate. It didn't sound inappropriate to me. I don't think that, like, so like for the listener, for the people watching it, she basically confronts the author in like a meeting that was like, there's just this one character that I felt like blah, 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 um, was poorly representative of what you're trying to get. And I think could do a bad taste. And obviously the white author was like, are you saying I'm racist? I'm not racist. And like threw a huge fit, blah, 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 blah. Her boss was mad at her, but like, I don't, it was not. It was not like out of, like, she wasn't like saying that, like, I don't know. I was fully in Nella's, uh, I wouldn't have like, I wouldn't have punished Nella the way that they kind of punished her, not in in action, but it was just fully like in how they behaved towards her at work. Mm -hmm. Like, it was almost like she was like a plague, basically, because it's like, oh, she's gonna... You know, she's now the police for all minority characters and like, Mm -hmm. better watch out. Um, I feel like if I was in that position, if I was that boss and that we did let this book go into publishing and then it makes it out there, I would be so worried that like people would think that or like I would get in trouble because I let this book go. 
uh, yeah. or I let this book go all the way, you know? I also think I, it's, it's, it was good that she included that kind of age range in there mm-hmm. in that confrontation of someone who is, I was assuming maybe like late forties, early fifties. It's, yeah. it's not really specified, but I, I do think that there is a very generational difference of like someone taking feedback. And I think like all white people are racist Sorry, I. Sorry, it's just the way the society has made us, and you know we can do every. Like that's just the way it is, and I think that like people our age are more comfortable with being like it. Like if someone called me, if if someone was like, "That's really racist," what you just said. I mean, I would be upset, but I would be like, "I I I don't think that you're just going to call me a racist for no reason." You know, like Mm -hmm. that's not something that's going to be said lightly and so I did think that it was um because I think too like the in her conversations with Owen who is her boyfriend and he's white I think that 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 contrast is very clear where Mm -hmm. you know she's bringing these things up and like Colin this author is like well why would you call me a racist and her boyfriend is you know I think a lot more sensitive to yeah she fully was like yeah, not everyone can be like my boyfriend who has like two moms and yeah. like <laughs> like raised in like crunchy Colorado. And, yes, yeah, yeah totally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think like and like in my old work, like at Disney, I had that like that happened once where we did like say something like I think you need to relook at like your designs here because you're I think you're not seeing something and the the designer was fully like I, well I'm not racist I don't think that way I'm like we're not saying that we're saying like, we're helping you. We're telling you that you just need to relook at, the, we're not saying you're a bad person. That's why we're here. Like to, to do that. And yeah, I, I think it is a generational thing, but also like, I'm sure in that industry too, where it's like, if you have basically like a James Patterson type, you know, mm-hmm. that's just like yeah. knocking out these books and blah, blah, blah. And have never been told like, no, which is weird to me because the editor is the person to tell you that. The editor is the person that's like, this is why this won't work. Right, or like, right. you should do this again. So it's very weird that like, that the whole company Wagner was very much like, it didn't feel like they was ever said no to anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Which was very strange. Yeah. Oh, that's my alarm to drink water. So I will do that right now. Oh, good. Um, If you had gotten a note that said, leave your place of work now, what would have been your first instinct to do? Um, I think that I would tell a select group of my coworkers. I would not tell my supervisor. Mm -hmm. I think and I see, this is what's so interesting to me. And it's something that like, I always go back and forth in, in books when like the main character isn't telling people things. Isn't telling people. And so yeah. like, and, and specifically there are a couple things that I was like, why isn't she telling Owen? Like I was going back and forth on that where I was like, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you tell him about this? But I think why for Why isn't her, Harry Potter saying he's hearing yeah, voices? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, just fucking say it and get it over with. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it's like, um, but I think. 
I think that it all felt very real to me that she was like, she didn't want to go to her supervisor about it. And she Mm -hmm. wanted to kind of pass it off as this weird, like fluky thing. And I think it's also like very natural to kind of like, look at all of your coworkers and be like, cause you don't, you don't want to expect that from someone you work with. Like you don't want to expect that terrible thing that someone that you work with is doing something like that. I don't know. What would you do? I wrote in all caps, go to HR because I think I, maybe it's just my, me personally, but I was like way out of my pay grade. I cannot deal with this. I am so busy. I am just trying to work. I'm just trying. If I, I, I would be like, I'm too busy trying to read these manuscripts just so I can like have a small inch of like a taste of what it would be like potentially to edit a book. Like that's, and I, 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 I understand that's all written there to like put everything against her. So that way she does feel unable to act um, on anything because it's like anything I do, I lose all of the work, all of the dominoes that Mm -hmm. uh, I've already set up just so I could get a little bit ahead in the company, which really sucks. Like I truly understand that. But I think like if I would be just such an emotional person that if I get that, I fully would like just, fully like get so emotional that I'm like, I need someone that can think about this objectively and not me who will literally just like confront everyone (laughs) that I come across at work. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think I would go to HR because I, I would just be like, I need an objective person, but I would check obviously like if I was at Wagner, it's like, what is our DEI commitment? Like Mm -hmm. what is our, what are our values right now? Because if I go to HR and they say like, this is not a big, you know what I mean? Like I like, will my, will this company actually like have my back if I do go up to them? Um, Which I hate that that's something that people have to like debate. Like, Mm -hmm. will these people who I spend like a third of my life in have my back? Right. Yeah. I did I did really like how she framed it where when you're reading it you think that the notes are the sinister thing. I know. Like you think it, that's the the ultimate evil. And they're not. not. It was truly like I I really love that twist or like that flip of like mm-hmm. these notes were there to actually warn me. These notes yeah. were actually helpful. And I wanted to ask, I know you had mentioned before we, like, we started recording to talk about, like, the timeline and just, like, um, when we read um, What's Mine and Yours, like, there's a lot of um, moving moving around of, like, timeline and characters. Um, the same happens here. I embarrassingly took me half of the book that was like, oh, I, I just assumed they were, like, chap- like numbers because Nella's chapters are numbered, but yes. not Nella's chapters are labeled by the person by the person and they're in first person and they're in first person yeah it's like I so when it started so I uh, here okay I have a couple things to say when it started and I was just dumb (laughs) that's what I was thinking that's what I was thinking I was like oh my god because it's I feel like it's something because even when we read good company there was a lot of jumping in and out and I was like are we just like not attentive readers that we're having a hard time keeping up with this like what (laughs) I got kind of upset about it because I was like I thought that I was a pretty savvy reader and that you know but I think I really think that this is a book that is made to be reread because ah uh, okay I, I, 
Okay. Yeah, because I and I even to like to the end of the book, I was having to like go back and be like, okay, here yes. we are in the timeline. But then when I got to the end, I was like, it was really kind of brilliant the way that she had it. So especially with um, Shawnee's chapters where it was like mm-hmm. it's it, hers started like a month after the main events of the book were happening and then you slowly worked your way up and like Kendra was kind of sprinkled in here and there. I was like, it's really great because it was such a slow burn that it didn't, I think that if she had had a clearer timeline, it, it would have given away too much too soon. Yeah. And I think that it play. It, I think it ended up playing out really well. But yeah, I did. <laughs> so confused. I did have to. I will say I caught up with with that faster in this book than Good Company. Because okay. I think Good Company was just a little bit like it was just too relaxed. I needed well, a format. Yeah, and it wasn't as clear. Like, this book at least gave you, like, dates. And, like, good company, you would be, like, halfway through the chapter, and you're like, oh, we're in, like, 1996 now. It's like, oh, I'm in the past. What? (laughs) What? So, like, picking up the really small details here was really enjoyable because I felt Mm -hmm. like I was, like, I felt like I was, like, just watching it unfold and, like, I don't know. I like got tingles because it's like, oh, like I just know how awkward those situations are in the office that like slowly building those kind of like awkward um, moments like didn't I didn't realize that it would pay off so well when it was like, wow, Nella's instincts were right the entire time. Right. And I really thought I really thought we were going to be like, she needs to calm down like she needs to like. I think it's going to be one of those things where she spirals out into her own obsession and she ends up being like the villain. Um, like American so Psycho. That, yes. And I'm so glad that that wasn't the case. It was yeah. so fulfilling to be like, wow, all of her hunches were correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I the, the reason why I was like, I want, like, this is a book to be reread is because when she was putting it all together and she was realizing, like, was Vera in on this? Richard was mm-hmm. in on this because, and then I was, like, looking back on some of the things that she was being asked to do for her job. And I was like, were these, like, tests to see how well it was going? Yeah. Like, was she being put up to these things so they could, like, gauge how well um, like the the progress the, is going? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. Gosh, the one thing that I was going to say that I felt like never cleared up for me and that I and maybe it wasn't supposed to mean anything at all was they made she made the observation about Maisie, who was technically Hazel's supervisor, like coming in and being really flustered and having a ton of bags and then like coming Mm -hmm. back from vacation early. I was like, how did this was it just like a weird thing that she that Nella was like observing a lot of weird things happening and she just included that in the weird things and it had nothing else to do with that was like the one thing that I was like I don't know yeah that's the thing I mean that's what I was gonna ask like in actually plotting out like who was involved like I could see them being like well we'll hire her under Maisie so that's her like that because they know that Maisie is like super flighty and her life's a mess or whatever so like she probably doesn't even use her assistant that much or whatever um, so it's a good kind of like excuse for Hazel to be so involved in literally everything. But I did want to ask, like, so who ended up being super involved? Like, who who was involved in all of all of this? It's Sha- Shawnee. No, not Shawnee. 
Diana. Diana from the top. From the the talk? The top. Oh, from the top. Yes. <laughs> I was like, she so was not the top. At the, <laughs> she was not the talk. Okay. So in kind of planning, plotting out like who was involved in this in this whole thing, Diana is at the top with her friend Imani. They're developing mm-hmm. this like hair serum, whatever. Mm-hmm. And she was actively using like Rick, like Rick also knew it, right? Like she, he was aware or was it just, was she just so, kind of like, I know that Rick would want to be involved. And so it would be an easy way to get one of my girls in there. I, so I got the sense that like, so Amani was the one who had come up with the idea and mm-hmm. she told Diana about it. And Diana was in the middle of this like uh, situation with Kendra because Kendra had said, <laughs> If you're white, you ain't right by me. If you ain't which, right, you like, ain't right. Which good for yeah. you, Kendra. I was um, like, yeah, absolutely. And that's don't blame like, you. That's cl- like obvious. I'm glad that they did that. As like this was in the 80s, so yes, like people would be blackballed for that, like back yeah. then. But I am glad. Like okay, at least now that like we have the Issa Rae's and the Ava DuVernay's of the world, where it's like, right, you don't want to work with white people, you don't have to. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. put you in black exactly. creators only. Oh, yeah. God. So. To me, it was like she heard of this thing and she's like, well, Kendra's my friend, but we can't keep her around as she is. So I'm going to suggest to Richard that we do this to try to keep her around. And then Richard, I guess, somewhere along the, r- the way, they were like, well, what if, you know, I think they pr- she probably was using Richard for like his connections yeah. to, to women and like powerful places yeah so it didn't seem like he was an active participant like he didn't know that all of this was happening but he was kind of like the way for diana to know like how can we like yeah like yeah the connection oh i think he knew what they were doing oh you think he did okay oh absolutely because he was the one who was taking the notes yeah i definitely thought that he was taking the notes yeah the one that when he she, saw in when, when she, she was found in her the bedroom? notes and Hazel, yeah, they, those were Richards because it was his handwriting. Ah, oh. no. Maybe we yeah. are too dumb for this book. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know what I think that I have found, especially with my um, Harry Potter podcast, Harry Potter and the Anxious Millennials. Um, I think that just as human beings that we want to read as quickly as possible and that we just skip details. Yeah. So I think that's, I've just learned to like take a beat, reread a sentence if you need to. Yeah. I have definitely done that, especially in this book, which is, you know, I'm glad that it was like written in a way that's like, you'll have, you'll want to reread what I just wrote because you you missed something. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Can we talk about um, Malaika? I mean, Icon. Icon. I probably feel, I mean, I probably feel, okay, let's, in talking about Malaika and, I mean, Owen too, like just everyone in Ella's life, assuming Mm -hmm. at the end, I'm feeling in the gaps, I'm assuming she left her life. Nella did? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and I will say, I 
I think that the um, white person optimist in me wanted to believe that Nella had tricked Hazel I know, and then was going to this new publishing house and was going to work with Shawnee. On, but then when she said yeah. that sentence of like, tell me how it really is here, I was like, God damn it. And so yeah. that was one of the biggest, um, I think, question marks that was left at the end of the book that was like, what did Malika do about all of this? And like, I know did- that's what I was saying. Like, I feel bad for Malika because she was she was there. She saw it. And I think she could have the drive to be like, okay, look what you just did to my best friend. Yeah. This is insane. Yeah. And and then did Nella try to turn her? I almost feel like the only possible way that this would have happened is if she just like disappeared and like just left. Yeah. Ugh. I, because oh the God. the other big it's question so mark for me, and I'm I'm curious to know, do you think that Hazel's boyfriend was real? No, I don't think any of it was real. Okay, because I there was that. So I don't we, think Cafe Curls is real. <laughs> Curl Central, Curl um, Central, whatever. Do you think I, Miss Aisha B is real? Um, <laughs> the like hair consultant. I um. Because when she was talking, when she was in the room and she was saying, like, it looks like no one was really, like, living there. And then, like, he was never – she talked about him so much, but then he was never actually introduced. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know that I think he's real. So the young black – And lit. The group. Yes, young black and lit. Here's the – now, like, connecting all the dots. Like, that's basically, like, a farming – yes program so those girls will grow up to become she's grooming them grooming it's oh i know it's so upsetting it's so upsetting um the the other thing that i wanted to say about hazel that i thought was a really interesting dynamic um that was introduced pretty early on was this kind of like identity issue that Nella had where she was like I grew up in like suburban white ass Connecticut yes. and like you know a lot of my friends were white and a lot of my boyfriends were white and she, a and, lot of oreo like yeah uh, and like this feeling American. that she got especially where where Hazel would make her feel like oh am I not black enough like when they were having mm-hmm. a conversation and she was like you don't know how to do twists and yeah. you know things like that and like she was like oh she's from Harlem I wish you know and I thought that was another really interesting thing to add to the dynamic too was this idea of like how how can um Hazel seem so like engaged with her identity and with her culture but then also be sitting back and like allowing these white people to do all of this racist ass bullshit I think yeah that's really what the book kind of like really wants to hit at, right? Like there is that like, I don't think performative is the right word, but something like there is an idea of like, you have to kind of like be like, I am my identity. I am 100% my identity, blah, 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 blah. But only doing it in a way where it's like the fabulous stuff, the face value things. Because I mean, at the heart of it, this thing that you put on your hair she was saying like it ultimately numbs your part of your brain so you don't feel guilt when you see like all of these injustices and microaggressions mm-hmm. happen at work. So that way you're just like, yep, 
that's fine. Like just takes that away. So you can just basically enjoy the good parts about you living your cultural identity without kind of living with the like fact that it is still like a white supremacist system and everything is still like, you know, like built in systematically like that. Um, and that's almost why I love the inclusion of the like Jesse Watson stuff on YouTube, because I think yeah. that cap captures the like performative, like, look, I'm an activist. I love being black, blah, 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 blah. Jesse Watson, very Sean King energy. And then you see them and they're like, they're just a hollow shell. That's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Like I just say what I, well, say. did you, did you not think that he had been changed too? I think like. It's either like he was changed or he was always just a puppet. That's kind okay. of how I, I read it. But I, I definitely read it both ways. Cause I also know that like he had like his, like um, there was like controversies, but yeah, very Sean King, you know, like there, yeah. there were controversies that appeared that like made him like get out of the limelight and then mm-hmm. maybe like. I, see, I. I thought that he got out of the limelight because he had been changed. Uh, that was how I interpreted it. To Although try I will, and downplay that, like, black activism type situation. Like, to be yeah. like, no, this is more harm than good. Yeah. Hmm. I, yeah. I have to tell you that I thought that the funniest moment in the book was when I, I, I don't know if funny is the right word, but um, was when he came in for the meeting and Nella left because she was like, what the fuck is going on here? And she just paused for one to hear one more snippet. And they were like, what's your favorite book? And he said, infinite jest. And they were all like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. Yes, queen. <laughs> I, know. I thought that shit was so funny. Yeah, I just love that she was fully like, oh, you are not, ex- like, never meet your heroes. Yeah, like, yeah. fully, she was like, you are, you have just drank also the, the go-go juice or whatever. The crystal like, light. Are, the Kool-Aid, yeah. <laughs> oh, Ooh. my God. Ooh. It is like, what did you, like, I didn't, I didn't expect the whole resistance portion of it. Mm-hmm. And it's sad because, like, ultimately it doesn't work out. But, like, I don't know. Like, I – it is kind of like a nice kind of – I feel like with the get outs and, and, you know, those kind of, like, stories, it always feels so insular that it's just one person having to experience this. And that makes it the worst because there's no one else you could kind of, like, Mm -hmm. share and relate and experience with. It's, like, you know, just, like, how most victims, like, feel when they are traumatized uh, by, like, some sort of, like, terrorism that's done to them. Like, you never truly feel like this has happened to someone else before. Um, So I did like that there was a feeling of, like, look, we are seeing the patterns. We're connecting the dots. We can can actually stop this. Mm -hmm. Um, so I did like that, but I, I mean, I'm sad that they didn't get Nella and Shani left. So yeah, <laughs> because Shani ultimately just wanted to like, just forget it. Right. And just start a new. And reveal it though, too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. She was, um, like, this is going on. Yeah. <sighs> it- um, well- I'm just, I'm partly at a loss because. This was so good. It was so good. It was just so 
well-conceived, well-thought-out. Um, and I don't want to be that person of like, oh, I can't wait to see the movie. But I can't wait to see the movie. Well, because I they've already like sold the – or she's already, I think, sold the rights. Yeah, so. a lot of um, – yeah, it's crazy. Like, I guess I also didn't realize how quickly that can happen. Like, once a book kind of, like, takes off, you can easily just sell the rights. And, like, it doesn't necessarily mean the movie's going to be made right away. There's already casting. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, a, we've secured it. This this could potentially be a movie someday. Mm-hmm. Because I think, and what I would love, I mean, I know I feel like it's going to be like a, they might cast some familiar faces. But I would love to see, like, new talent to do this movie. Although I have to tell you, you know who I would love to cast as Nella? Or the ma- um, Kiki Palmer. <laughs> Kiki probably would, get a, would make a great Malaika. I was going to say, maybe I, I, when I was saying that, I was like, maybe that she would be better cast as Malaika. But I do, I do, I want Kiki Palmer involved in this project. Yes. So Kiki Palmer's people. Um, I can't do anything. I don't have any connections, but I hope that you work really hard and really campaign for her to have a role in this project. Yeah. I almost want them to like, almost kind of like how they discovered Daniel Kaluuya and get out. Like I want them to kind of discover someone new. For a second, I thought you said Dave Coulier. And I was like, RJ. (laughs) RJ, he was not in that movie. That was Bradley Whitford. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sorry. Daniel Coulier. No, yeah. I I, I hope they kind of like discover someone new because I think this is such a good role for someone. Yes. Like both Nella and And Hazel. Hazel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this was giving me like Killing Eve vibes. Like I was like, I kind of want Sandra Oh to do this, but obviously (laughs) not because that's wrong. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But like that that same vibe of like, ugh. And I I think what would be really kind of nuanced about it is that like if this this was put in the hands of like an Issa Rae or an Ava, like I think they could do a really great job. Michaela Cohen. Have you watched I May Destroy oh, You? I have not watched I May okay, Destroy You. RJ, I... it is fucking intense. I know. It's a whole goddamn lot, but it's essential. So Yeah. I was kind of thinking like she would probably um she could probably be a fun Hazel because I think she can get she can play the intense and the like character mm-hmm. and stuff yeah. really well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, wow. So what is your, like, we've, we've, we've mentioned hot moments in other books before. Was there a hot moment for you in this? You know, that's what I've been thinking since I finished it. I was like, I don't know if we have a hot moment that we can talk about. Um, I kind of like said, like, maybe when Hazel was putting the stuff on Nella's hair. Yeah. I, you know, obviously she was writing it in a way that it's like, we want the reader to know that like it's happening. The physical act of mm-hmm. her touching her hair and putting stuff in the hair is happening. Right. Mm-hmm. I'd probably say that. Um, I mean like Richard and Diana, I guess. I don't know. That was kind of gross more than hot. <laughs> I don't, I'm not into that. Yeah. I'm sad we didn't get any sexy, uh, farmers in this in this book no uh, it, yeah this book was, the book was light on sexy farmers and you know honestly with kendra living out in upstate new york there could have been a sexy farmer 
There could have been a easily a sexy farmer. Easily. Owen could have had a micro garden in his in his. Uh, he could have. He had, he could have had a garden collective. Are you kidding me? Yeah, they lived in Brooklyn. Missed up. <laughs> I mean, I I feel like Manny was probably super hot, but he didn't exist, so we'll never know. He didn't. Yeah, we'll never know. The way he was described was very much like, oh, he is. A, I could tell this man is. How about very how about. When Juanita was really drunk and possibly coked out. <laughs> oh my god! Do you think that she had insane. something going on with the the young guy who wanted to be an author that was talking to Nella? Do you think they had something mm, going? Mm. The last sophomore. <laughs> oh, oh I god. thought he was in college. No, Did I read well, it wrong? I don't know. I take it back. <laughs> I take it back. I take it back. I take it back. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> If you, to, to kind of close the dis discussion, um, what was kind of like your biggest takeaway from the book? Other than that it was brilliant. Other than that it was what? Brilliant. Oh, oh. Um, I, uh, I hate white people. Um, honestly, to be, to be a hundred percent like, uh, transparent about it. I was like, I need to be doing more in the workplace to be yeah. supportive of my coworkers of color and not, you know, just sit on the sidelines and yeah. Yeah. We have a, uh, we, uh, at my job right now, we have a, a POC like employee resource group and mm -hmm. we definitely kind of act as like a, support group most of the time because there yeah. are just so many small instances that obviously no one means to do but because of either how it comes across or like even like and anella talks about it even in the first way that when hazel like in that open meeting was like i actually love chartresia it's a really honest look like by doing that act it ultimately magnifies into uh, what Nella was feeling because she knows some people in this office know how that worked out. And so mm -hmm. it's just like kind of like making people think about her in a different way instantly in one kind of like offhand comment that I feel like happens all the time at workplaces where you don't even mean that. You don't even mean that like I'm commenting on like the one POC or like a POC's person. But it's but, you know, it's like they may have made that comment or I may be commenting on something that I don't know the full story on. And by me commenting on it made the one POC person kind of like feel bad or in the optics, like people may have had a different opinion of them. So like, yeah, I think like that, that's definitely a big thing. And like, um, yeah, just really like being more mindful of that and not being afraid to speak out. And I think that's, mm -hmm. I think that there are more people now that are more empowered to like say something. I think especially after the, you know, the summer that we had last year and the, all the like activism that's come, come out. Um, unfortunately, like it had to take murders to take place for a lot of companies to kind of even address these things. Um, so I, yeah, I, I hope that uh, people that read this book, I think will, will definitely have the same takeaway of like, I need to do better at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant work. <sighs> Thank you, Zakia. 
Thank you, Zakia. Thank you, NPR. Thank you, NYT. Thank you, everyone. Also, fun fact, her sister is a a co-host, a contributor to uh, the Pop Culture Happy Hour on NPR. Aisha Harris? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, I have no idea. Adam, Aisha Harris's sister wrote this book. From Pop Culture Happy Hour. We love Pop Culture Happy Hour. We love Aisha. We love, oh my God, this is amazing. Oh my God, it's amazing. Wow. My favorite book of the year. What a great Uh, moment for us. Yes. Uh, Okay. Um, I told Allie uh, the next month's book has to be a book that I've already purchased because I have a growing stack of books that I have not read yet. But, you know, since we started the book club, I was fully just like, oh, let's just buy more books. Blah, blah, blah. So you can always buy more books. That's true. So, Allie, in my hands, I have three books. Yes. This is my favorite thing you've ever done. <laughs> in my ha- in my hand I have three books. Um, in my hand I have three books and one of these books will be America's next top Ampleverse book club selection. Okay. So, all you need to do The other is two must return to the house. <laughs> the other two pack their, pack their belongings and go back to the bookshelf. Oh my god. Oh, I don't even get to I don't even get to see them. I just have to pick a number. You pick a number. Three. And that number will be number three? Number three. Okay. Is you it have did selected. I pick a good number? You have selected. Do you want me to pick a different number? No, you're good. The international bestseller, The Phone Booth at the Edge of the World by Laura Imai Messina. It is What's it about? A- Okay, let me read you the jacket copy. This will we'll play this at the end of the episode so people are like, ooh, I've okay. got to read this one for the next one. Okay. When Yui loses her mother and daughter in the tsunami, she wonders <gasps> how she will ever carry on and begins to mark time in relation to that terrible day in 2011. Yet in the face of this unthinkable loss, her life must somehow continue. One day at work, as the host of a call-in radio program, Yui hears a story about a man on Whale Mountain, one of the places worst hit by the tsunami, who has an old telephone booth in his garden with a disconnected phone inside. As news of the phone booth and its wind phone spreads, people start coming from miles around to speak to loved ones, finding comfort in sharing the details of their daily lives with those they've lost. But when Yui, numb numb with grief, makes her own pilgrimage, she can't bring herself to pick up the receiver. Then she meets Takeshi, a widower whose own daughter has stopped talking in the wake of her mother's death. Inspired by true events, this best-selling novel is a moving, unforgettable story about the depths of grief, the lightness of love, and the human longing to keep the people who are no longer with us close to our hearts. Okay. Thank you, everyone, for watching and listening to another episode of the Ampliverse Book Club. You can follow us on social media at the Ampliverse on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, our, Discord, our Discord server is also linked to the episode where you can join in on the conversation outside of the show and with other Ampliverse fans. Finally, if you love the show and the others we do here, feel obliged to drop a tip or two on the Ko-fi link, which helps support keeping the lights on in our universe. Allie, thank you so much for joining me on another yeah. amazing episode of the book club. Thanks everyone <laughs> for watching this episode and we will see you next month. Goodbye. Bye.
discovering voices, naughty worlds, the Ampliverse.